0: What's going on? 1130. How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining with us. Can you guys help me welcome everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Come on, we love you guys. Man, we're so glad you're joining with us today as we are in week four of a series we are calling Legacy, and we're talking about our faith, we're talking about our family, and we're talking about our future. And, and really what Legacy is, is all about is, is, is how are we living our lives, and are we living in such a way that, that when our life is over, that we'll be remembered uh, by people? Because here's the thing. You are going to die at some point, and people are going to remember you. The question is, is, is how are they going to remember you? And, and so this week, I, I was thinking about, as a pastor, I get the opportunity to sit down and talk with people a lot at the end of their life. I get a lot of hospital visitations and those types of things. And one of the things that I noticed about people near the end of their life is a lot of times they talk about the things that they regretted. Like that I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And there are a lot of I wishes in life. And, And my hope for you is that you won't get to the end of your life and think, well, I wish I would have made this decision or that decision. But you would actually live those things out while you're here on this earth and while you have the opportunity to do that. And while I was thinking about that, I was thinking about some stories uh, of people that that maybe uh, had some moments where if they could go back, they would make a different decision. And I, I actually read about this story of a guy named Joe Green. And Joe Green was, this is actually a picture of Joe Green. Joe Green was a student at Harvard University. And uh, he he had a roommate that that he and his roommate became best friends, and they were both in the the computer kind of technology fields of life. They were programmers, and and one uh, evening they decided to create a program that they would use at Harvard University to rate the girls on campus. They called it Face Smash. And uh, what you would do is, is they created this, this algorithm that would take everybody from the from the catalog of students and they'd put their pictures up, to, uh, up against one another and you would rape people based on their beauty or their lack thereof. And it ended up getting Joe and his roommate named Mark in really really big trouble. In fact, it got them in so much trouble that both of them almost got suspended. And so there was some friction in the relationship, but they were still roommates. And, and one day Mark came up with an even better idea than Face Smash. And he invited Joe and four other or three other guys to come be a part of the brand new entity or, or platform that he was going to create called Facebook one of five guys now the the other three guys that were invited to the meeting were were Edward Saffron Duskin Moskowitz, and and a guy named Chris Hughes and and when Mark started presenting this idea. All of them were like, yeah, we're in. And, and Mark started handing out shares of the company to them, anywhere from 5% to 15% of the company. And, and it finally came down to Joe, who was actually the, the platform developer of everything that they would build off of that he created on Facemash. And so, But because of the trouble he had gotten in before, he decided, you know what? I don't want to venture into this new company called the Facebook I'm actually going to dip out of it. And that day, Joe Green made a decision to not be a partial owner of Facebook, which would have made him worth today anywhere from 20 to 40 billion dollars. Now, now, what's interesting is they've done interviews with Joe and they've asked Joe, they said, hey, Joe, do you have any regrets so far in your life? And you know what Joe has said over and over again? No. How many of y'all know that Joe is a liar? <laughs> because if I turn down... 20 to 40 billion dollars looking back there would be some gr- regrets there in my life and and here's what I don't want for you I don't want you to look back and go man I regretted making those decisions but I want you to look back and go every decision that I made was sh- putting me on a trajectory that was actually gonna change my legacy for others when they viewed my life they're not gonna look at me and go oh that's the guy that missed out on 20 to 40 billion dollars but that's the person that made the right decision because here's what i know every single one of us is destined to die so we all have a beginning and we all have an end On your your headstone, there's going to be a beginning date and an ending date. And what matters is, is what did you do with the dash in between? How did you live in that sphere of your life to make a difference in this world where people are going to remember you in a way that goes, that person, that man, that woman created a legacy that continues to live on. Because we don't wanna have a legacy like this guy's tombstone. I told you I was sick, I don't know about you. That's not a great legacy, I don't care who you are, that right there is funny. That guy had a sense of humor. His legacy was, his, he was a funny guy. But here's, here's, here's my big idea today. Legacy Church is where my life lives on. And my goal and my hope for you is that you will live in such a way that your life will live on. And the legacy that you will live one day, you need to hear this, is the life you're living today. A lot of us, we live with a mentality of someday or one day. No, no, no. What you are doing today is creating your legacy that will be there tomorrow, will be there 20 years from now, 200 years from now, 2,000 years from now. So how are you living? Because right now, everything you are doing is positioning yourself for your future legacy. And here's what I know about most people. Most people, we think, well, you know what? If I'm just successful, then I'll have a great legacy. So what we do is we focus on climbing the ladder of success and we go, man, if I could just have the house or drive the car or be in that field in my career or get the bank account or have that relationship, then I will be successful in life. The problem with that mentality and that thinking is, is everything Thing you're talking about is achievement well if i can just achieve that and if you notice about all of those things that you're achieving it's all about you The last time i checked people that make lives all about themselves aren't very significant in life you might have a lot of success but you don't have much significance and the problem with our mentality and our thinking, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I think you should try to be successful in your career. You should be a great parent. You should have great relationships. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say to you, church. But if we make life about success, then we'll miss out on what matters most, which is Significance. Because significance isn't found in what you achieve, but your significance is found in who you help, who you make an impact in. And so many of us, we've gotten so focused on how am I going to clove and how am I going to achieve and how am I going to accomplish? And the accomplishments are Great. But accomplishments don't leave a legacy. Those are dusty awards that sit on shelves that nobody looks at but the person that accomplished them. Impact is what people remember. And what happens for many of us is we're climbing this ladder of success thinking that it's going to fulfill us and meet our deepest needs the problem is is we climb it for so long only to realize at the end that it was leaned up against the wrong building and it didn't really give us the worth and the value and the fulfillment that we dreamed that it would. And I want each of us at the end of our lives to go, you know what, I, I, I didn't live just a successful life, but I lived a significant life. A significant life that that made such an impact in others that they want to remember me. And they, they rem, they're reminded of the impact that I had all the days of their life. And, and this, this actually struck me. I, God really spoke to me about this a couple of years ago when I started thinking about where we were going as a church and what God wanted us to do to impact our communities and he, he brought me to a passage of scripture out of Isaiah chapter 54 that I want to read to you today that 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 I don't I don't want to say it's a formula for how do you live a legacy life but I I, I think it's 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 prescriptive of, of here are some things that if you'll apply them to your life on a regular basis that you the end product of you applying these principles to your life we Will be that you actually live a life of legacy. And so I want to read to you out of Isaiah 54. It says this: it says, Enlarge the site of your tent to make room for more children. Stretch out your curtains of your dwellings, do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your pegs, your stakes, firm in the ground, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will take possession of nations. And will inhabit deserted cities. And what Isaiah is trying to convey to us right here is that if you want to live a legacy life, here's what you have to begin to do in your life. Number one, if you're taking notes, which you should be, is you have got to begin to prepare for more. You've got to begin to to go, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to to force myself to grow and to enlarge and to stretch and to lengthen and to spread and to make firm. Those are all the words out of this verse. What are all those words? Those are all action words. The reason he's given us these action words is because what got you where you are won't take you to where you're going. And so in order for you to see all the things that you want to see God do in your life, there's got to be some preparation for those things. A lot of us are going, God, I want the promise, but in front of every promise is a premise. There's something that you need to do. It's why in the business world, they talk about the seven Ps. They say proper preparation prevents piss-poor performance. Some of you are like, well, God isn't performing in my life. Well, that's because you haven't put in the proper preparation that is necessary for God to do that thing in your life. You're wondering why the addiction isn't broken. Have you prepared for that? Or are you just hoping? It's getting quiet in here. I, I want a financial breakthrough, but the preparation is, is you've got to get on a budget. <gasps> he said the B word. God wants to do more in your God wants to do so much more in your life than you're willing to prepare for. That's why he's saying, man, you've got to stretch. You've got to grow. You've got to take the first initial step to do the thing that's necessary so that when I do give you the promise, when I do give you the abundance, when I do give you the breakthrough, you actually have the ability to sustain it. A lot of us are waiting, just, we're just thinking, well, there's gonna be a door of success or there's gonna be a door that just opens up and I'm gonna walk through. No, 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 God's not gonna open up doors that you haven't prepared to walk through. So you've gotta, you've gotta start to prepare for those things. We gotta start to, to make room in our lives. And a lot of us, we're not stretching, we're not expanding, we're not, we're not enlarging our borders To reach the full potential that God has for us, I I wrote it down in my notes like this Preparation is faith for upcoming opportunities. That's what preparation is. And when we don't prepare, here's what we do we settle into comfort, we settle into mediocrity, we settle into average, we settle in our marriages, we settle in our parenting, we settle in our career. We, we settle in our relationship with God. And what ends up happening is we just become average. Here's what average equates to. The average marriage in America right now lasts eight years. The average teenager, 13 to 19 years old, 46% are sexually active The average American, 50% of them right now do not have $1,000 in their savings account. The average American, 60% of them are unhappy in their career. The average Christian occasionally reads their Bible, maybe, maybe 20, 30%. The average church has 72 people in it. It's easy to settle into routines and ruts. And listen, we do it in church too. Like you, it's really easy because it's going well. You just go, well, we'll just keep doing the same thing. So you know exactly what's going to happen. You're going to walk into church. You're going to get high-fived by some people. They're going to welcome you. You're going to grab a cup of coffee. You're going to walk into church. They're going to sing two songs. Some of you guys, knows, guys don't actually know we sing Four songs, but you think we just sing two because you end up here late, but that's a different story. (laughs) Because you just want to be average. You're late to everything. Just saying. Brazilians... sing two songs, somebody comes up and gives you some announcements, they say $5 for every first time guest is gonna be equal 50 meals for family in need. Then we sing two more songs, a video plays, a really good bald looking pastor gets up here, preaches, people get saved, we send you out the door. It's awesome and it's easy to know what exactly we're gonna do. It's easy to get into the routines and I don't know about you, but I don't wanna settle for anything less than God's best for my life and I want you to settle in your life. Don't settle for less than God has for you. Don't settle for an average and comfortable and mediocre life. And we as a church, we're not going to settle. Like we're just not, the reason why we do this series every single year at our church is because we believe that heaven and hell are realities and we only have a finite amount of time to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus. And we're going to do everything in our power to reach one more person. We're passionate about it. Like, I'm not going to live off of what God has done in the past. And, and listen, it's easy to look back and go, wow. Like, I can look back and I can look just at this year. We've grown as a, uh, by a thousand people as a church. When churches are shutting their doors, we've grown by a thousand. That's crazy. We've seen, uh, as of last week, and we've seen 1,349 people come to Christ this year, not even a full 11 months through a year. You, you guys should be, oh, that's, that's. Those are, and we could just go, man, we're just going to run the play. We're just going to do the same thing. No, 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 we're not settling. We're not going to live off of that. What we're going to continue to do is we're going to continue to stretch. We're going to continue to prepare. Because here's what preparation does is it makes room for Possibilities. That's why over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to you about our legacy offering coming up here on December 3rd and 4th next weekend. And we've been talking about here are the possibilities that God has for us in 2023, but we've got to prepare for them right here and right now. We said, what, what, what we have the opportunity to do is we have the opportunity to continue to expand this Parkland location and finish our second phase where we're going to be able to see thousands of people instead of, uh, instead of a couple hundred in services. We won't be able to have to do 479 services anymore every single weekend. like We, we can come together as a community and we'll create these incredible spaces and places for people to know God. We also said, what what we have the opportunity to do, if we'll prepare for it, is is we have the opportunity to purchase three additional acres right here at our Parkland location so we can have more room for parking, more room for ingress and egress that's right at the the north end of our property and continue to expand and make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church, by creating that space. We said the third thing that we could do is we could launch our third multi-site location because what God has done in Lighthouse Point this year is absolutely unbelievable we've seen 400 people give their lives to Christ we're, we're seeing between four and five hundred people attending that location every every single week what God is doing over there is amazing and we've said if we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church that means that we got to bring the church to them Amen. we can't be waiting for people to come to church No, no no we're going to bring it to them because we believe that the local church is most effective when it's local So some of you guys are driving 20, 30, 40 minutes to to church here and we're going, to. you're not going to be able to invite your friends to church. You're not going to be able to experience what we're experiencing. So what do we do? They're not going to come. So we're going to go to them. We're going to create more opportunities for them. And and how we're going to prepare for that, to do all of those things, it's going to cost us $3 million above and beyond our regular giving. How many of y'all know that that's a lot of money? (laughs) But it's not a lot of money to God. And so what we've asked of you guys over the last couple of weeks, we've put these envelopes on your chair, not so that you can give, but so that you can pray. We've asked, man, would you take some time and as a family pray and go, God, how would you want me and my family to be a part of what you are doing here in my church? And then here's what we'd ask. Whatever God says, just be obedient to that. If God says, give nothing, here's what I want you to do. As your pastor, I want you to give nothing. But at the same time, if God says give $3 million, that's a three with six zeros before the decimal point. And then I actually need you to bring that to church, not just write the check and leave it at home. And here's here's what we believe. Next weekend we'll come and we'll bring our greatest gift to see God's kingdom to continue to expand because we're going to prepare for more. And here's the deal, church. God wants you to begin to prepare for more. In your life in 2023 your legacy is going to be determined on your preparation how are you preparing for what God wants to do Continue on in verse 4 it says do not fear for you will not be put to shame and do not feel humiliated or ashamed for you will not be disgraced for you will forget the shame of your youth and you will no longer be remembered the disgrace of your widowhood second thing is number two is you have to walk in confidence You have to walk in confidence. It's the place where you don't have fear. It's the place where there is no shame, where there is no humiliation. It's a place of confidence. It's actually a place of faith. It's this idea of Philippians chapter one, verse six, where it says, this is the confidence that we have that him who began a good work in you will complete it. How do you believe that? Because you have the faith to believe that God, what he started inside of you, he actually wants to finish it. And so what it means is that we can't just sit in faith and go, well, God said it. I'm just going to trust and wait for it. No, no, no. No, we got to start to begin to walk out what he said, even when we don't see it in our life. That's why Hebrews 11:1 says it like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So what is faith? Faith is not a feeling. Some of you guys, well, I don't feel faith, so therefore I don't act in faith. It's not a feel. It's not like you have joy and therefore you have faith. You can have joy and not have faith at the same time. Let me explain what faith is. Faith, this way. Say I went to to Restoration Hardware, because I know that's where people shop in Parkland, and and I was going to buy a new couch. and, And I went there and I bought a couch. The only problem is, is that couch does not fit in my little SUV. And so what they do instead of giving me a couch is they give me a receipt with a delivery date on it. And when I come home or and and some of you guys are over in my house and I I tell Shayla, I said, hey, I I bought a couch. And I, I tell you, hey, I bought a couch. And you go, let me see the couch. And I pull out a receipt for you to look at. How many of you guys know that that is not a couch? You're like, where is it? And you're like, I'm like, it's right here. They're like, but I don't see it. What is the receipt? It's a receipt for a couch because the receipt is the substance and the evidence of what belongs to you but has not yet become a reality yet in your life. Faith is a supernatural receipt that verifies what is standing and waiting for delivery from heaven for your life. So some of you guys are going through some difficulties right now. And, and you're going, well, man, I'm going through a tough time. But, but you have a receipt from God's word that says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So while I'm going through a difficult time, I'm going to come out victorious over this thing. Or I'm going through a struggle right now financially. It says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And so I have a supernatural receipt that verifies that while I might not have it right now in my life, that it's on the way if I walk in confidence. It's time for some of us to start to get some some gumption inside of us and go, man, our God has been faithful in the past. He'll be faithful in the present. He's going to be faithful in the future because He's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And i got to start to walk in the confidence that even though I don't see it, that God's going to do it. Because he's a God that's been faithful, he's been trustworthy, he's been reliable, he's never failed, and he's always been victorious. So what that means is that we have to constantly be stepping out of what is comfortable into what is possible, because we're walking in that confidence. Continuing on in verse 5, it says this, for your husband is your maker and the Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel who is called the God of the whole earth. So you you, you gotta you gotta begin to stretch yourself. You gotta begin to grow yourself. You gotta begin to. Move out of your comfort zone into all that God has for you. And you gotta to begin to walk in this confidence. And number three, you gotta remember who you are living for. You've got to remember who you're living for. It says, man, you're your God, your maker, your creator. And a lot of us, what we have done is, is we've made this life all about us because we have the wrong perspective. Where it's going, how can I make much of us, which is why we chase success, instead of how do we make much of God, which is where we find significance. A.W. Tozer, a great pastor, said it like this, your view of God is the most important aspect about your relationship with God. A low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils, and a high view of God is a solution to 10,000 temporal problems. The reason why some of you guys have so many problems is because you have such a low view of God and such a high view of yourself. And I don't know if you realize this, but pride is the thing that caused all of sin to come into humanity. And so we've got to think less of us and more about the one who created us and what it's all about. And if we want to live a life of legacy, then we've got to understand that That God's whole purpose for sending his son was to seek and to save those that were lost. Which means that God's whole purpose has always been about others. It's always been about how can I make a difference in one more. Check out this video.
1: Hi, my name is Susie and I want to tell you a little bit about the miracles that are taking place in my family right now. But if I'm going to tell you and get you to understand the vastness of this miracle, I got to take you back to the very beginning. You see, I actually grew up going to church, but it was weird because my family was not a church going family. For some reason, my parents decided that they were going to send me to a Christian school. And so I made a bunch of friends at church and my neighbor was actually the one that drove me to church every weekend. And so I would go weekend after weekend and hang out with my friends and you you know, that's really the reason why i went but at the end of the day it doesn't matter how you get to god's house you're still learning things about him and so what was crazy is that when i would go home and i would try to talk about these things that i was learning there was always this this disconnect and so as i started to learn a lot of these different things and try to talk to my family about it there there was this understanding that there was something missing. So I remember finding Coastal as a church, and Coastal really was that church that made church make sense to me. And so I was like, why wouldn't it make sense to somebody else? And so from time to time, I would invite my family to come and to hang out. And a lot of times the answer was no. But I believed this motto in life that your actions will always speak louder than your words. And so I was like, all right, God, I'm going to get to know you better. I'm going to try to live my life according to how you've called me to live it. And I'm going to hope and pray that my life will be an example to my family about everything that God has planned for me, but also give them a glimpse into everything that God has planned for them. I'll never forget, um, we're actually in this building right now and we were worshiping God, it was a night of worship where everybody was scattered around and we were all writing names of people that we wanted to see miracles in. And I remember standing at the wall and at first I couldn't think of anybody's name to write down, I was like, God, who do you, who do you want me to write on this wall? And in that moment I thought about my family. And it was this vivid moment where I remember getting real with God and saying, you know what, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm surrendering my family. I'm believing that you are going to do a miracle in my family's life, and so I'm going to write down all of their names on this wall. I'm going to take up the whole side of the wall next to the door, and I'm going to write down each and every one of their names, and as I would write down their names, I would pray a prayer over them of surrender of, hey, God, this is your miracle now. This is what you are going to do now. This is up to you. This is your family. You love them more than I ever could, and so I know that you have a purpose and a plan for each and every one of them, and I know that you are going to do the impossible. I know that you are going to do miracles miracles in their life and so I started to write their name one by one I wrote John I wrote Maddie and I started to believe that God would start to do a miracle in each and every one of their lives
2: my dad was kind of like the rock of my life so when he passed away I had uh, an emptiness in me and I was trying to fill that void with something And um, I I filled it with drugs. I filled it with alcohol. Um, I filled it with uh, a crazy lifestyle. And I started to find that um, alcohol and drugs was my solution to my problems. And I had to find a different solution. And that solution that I found was God. here's the thing, God's been there the whole time. I just... uh, I didn't know that I had um, cheerleaders in the background. And Susie was one of my biggest cheerleaders. I started with this church eight or nine years ago. And I started coming to this church because my sister Susie was at the church. And we didn't come very often. Um, I came once a month. If I wasn't actively involved in my addiction, I would come around, but it was very infrequent. I don't. I, I, I can't even really explain what God has done in my life. It's been a dramatic change in the last year, but you know, I know that. I know that if, if 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 I stayed on the sidelines, that my life would not be the way that it is today. And making that change from just coming to church to actually investing my time in church and having my hand out for other people is it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. Um, at first, I thought getting on um, a team and serving was going to be a chore. Um, it is absolutely not. I, I can't wait for Sundays to come. I absolutely love it. But that is when my life really dramatically started changing in my relationship with God because it was no longer doing 50% anymore. Uh, That's when I was all in.
1: You know, there were a lot of years there where my brother and I had a really bad relationship. And so I actually remember the year of my wedding uh, was actually the year that he was clean. And I had written back in 2002, a letter to my dad um, who had passed away at the time, but journaling was really how I healed from that. I remember writing to my dad, missing the fact that he was not gonna be the one that would be able to walk me down the aisle. And in that moment, I, I said to my dad, I said, I really hope John is the one who walks me down the aisle. And in the year that we got married, fast forward 2018, my brother was actually clean that year and he got to walk me down the aisle. So to get to celebrate life change with him and to see everything that God was doing, but to also have this moment that I got to share with him is something that I will cherish forever. Um, And all of that has taken place because of him being a part of this community. I've watched other people love and care for him in ways that at times I struggled to, But it wasn't only life change that was gonna take place in his life, there was also gonna be life change in Maddie as well.
3: I grew up in a home where religion wasn't a huge factor in my family. Like we knew God, but we didn't know God. I ended up going to Koso because Susie was going to church there. And when I was younger, I did a lot of stuff with Susie, and I loved her so much because I look up to her, and I just wanted to do everything that she did. If it was going to church and helping tear down or go in the morning at 5 or 4 in the morning, I'd be there because she was there. I grew up singing and dancing. and. Um, it's just something that I've always known. Um, I didn't really do anything else. And I, it kind of became like an identity issue because I didn't think I could do anything else. Wow. <laughs> um, I started doing <laughs> worship at youth and um, It was a very safe place because I had people who wanted the best for me and I think struggling with the identity aspect of that and not thinking that I could do anything else, I found something where it's something that I love to do that glorifies him. Being a part of um, worship and then like Susie being a part of youth and then now, John is um, doing parking and everything, I think it's starting to nudge um, my family because we used to be the family that would just attend like a Christmas service or Mother's Day or just sort of like a holiday. But it's now gotten to a point where my family is coming every weekend to service. Like those are little miracles that are happening in my family that are creating this huge impact in my family and it doesn't have to be a thing where uh, somebody who couldn't walk is now walking because those little things are still making impact in our lives. And those little miracles are our big miracle.
1: You know, it's the most surreal thing to be sitting in an auditorium, sitting in a room where your niece is passionately leading worship and your brother's on the front row, worshiping the one who set him free. It's cool to see freedom found in two different stories, two different ways, and not only just in their lives, but to have my entire family in the same room in one church. It's something that I had wanted my whole childhood. It was something that I had always desired for, um, was to have family and to have them here. And it's been a beautiful thing to watch God do that and to watch the miracles little by little take place in each and every one of their lives. You know, we are nowhere near perfect. We still fight like families do. Um, We're our most authentic self when we're with family. And so we're we're nowhere near perfect and we won't ever be. But what's beautiful is that we can agree on one thing, that God is good and that His house is a place for all of us.
0: See, Susie figured something out that all of us, I think, need to figure out. It isn't just how high can we climb in life. It's how many people can we help climb the ladder of faith. So they can encounter a God who changes everything for everybody. Because when you look at the whole of your life and the reality of it, you maybe, maybe, maybe have a hundred years on this earth, then you're gonna spend the rest of it in eternity. And for so many of us, we spend that hundred years that determines the rest of eternity focused on so many superficial things instead of the one thing that we can actually take with us. And that's changed lives because Susie didn't just make a difference in her generation. That's going to be passed on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. That church is legacy. So when you look at the whole of your life, here's my challenge. Is what has your focus been on? Has it been building a dynasty for you, which is all about me, myself, and I, and what I can do? Or has it been about building a legacy that will last for generations? Generations. To come would you guys bow your heads and pray with me god i just pray right now i just challenge all of us that as we assess the whole of our lives as we look at the beginning and the end that we look at how are we living daily because what we're doing today is determining our tomorrow God, I believe that for a lot of us, the challenge is is how are we preparing for the more that you have for us? The more influence, the the more relationships, the more children, the the more in our career. How are we we stretching ourselves in this season? But not, not only that, but how are we taking steps of faith right now? And God, I pray that you would challenge some of us to stop sitting on words that we've gotten from you and start walking in confidence in them. But all the while keeping the focus on the thing that matters most and that is that we serve a good God and a great God and a God that loved us so much that He would sacrifice it all so we could have the opportunity of a lifetime. The opportunity of a lifetime isn't that we would have opportunities that we would know Him and know Him personally and intimately. And then we would fulfill His great command to go into all the world. And tell everybody about his goodness and his grace and his mercy. Maybe there's somebody that's in this room or you're watching over at Lighthouse Point or you're watching online right now and and you've never experienced a relationship with God. I want you to know that God loves you so much that he actually gave you the greatest gift that you could ever experience. It was his son Jesus who paid the ultimate price in life, the price of your sin and your shame and your mistakes and your screw-ups and lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death, a death that you and I deserve and went to the grave and he defeated death hell in the grave so that you and I could experience life and have it more abundantly. And Maybe today for the first time or the first time in a long time you need to experience that life with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you out there today on the count of three if you just slip your hand up up, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer that changes everything for everybody. If that's you, on the count of three, if you'd slip it up. One, two, three, go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, I saw you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, right there. I see you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, back there. Thank you. If you'll pray this in your heart as I pray it, I'll say, God, thank you. For loving me and sending your one and only son to die on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. God, I love you in this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.